What a year 2020 has been. I know it's not over yet, but it's a phrase I feel we've been saying before we were even three full months into this year. Right, wrong, or indifferent, across the nation we've experienced the challenges of COVID, the heartache of lost loved ones, the consequences of disunity, and most recently, the political climate. Leading in general is hard work. Leading through crisis, now that's an entirely different ballgame. Welcome to the Uniformed Reality Podcast. Police officers sharing their stories. This is their reality. In the past few episodes, I've given quite a descriptive introduction for each guest, but this time I challenged myself, even though it was a lot of fun, to make it as brief as possible. And I got it down to five words. And sir, you tell me if I'm doing it justice. All right, here we go. Chief of Police, Johnny Jennings. That sounds very good, yes. (laughs) Wonderful. Hey, that's a checkbox. Hopefully the rest of the time (laughs) will be just as fun. So the one thing I really love about the law enforcement profession is the unlimited career paths you've got at your disposal, no matter where you're at in the industry. If you get tired of something, you jump into something else and you charge head forward into that. Some people stay in the same spot their whole career and others, they move around. I know you've got nearly 30 years under your belt. Uh, Try to take the 30 years down into 30 seconds. No, that's a very interesting point because that's actually what drove me uh, and made me interested in being a police officer uh, in the the beginning because when I was first uh, entertaining the idea of being a police officer, I had my perception of what that looked like. And I said, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to I don't want to stop cars and chase people down and take people to jail. And I spoke with some other officers that basically said the great thing about being uh, with uh, the police department is you can have jobs within this job that uh, whether it's investigations, working at the academy, doing um, different things administratively. And and that's what really sparked my interest and, and made me entertain the idea of even more of being a police officer. What kind of positions have you held so far uh, in your career? Obviously, you're at chief now. <laughs> yeah, you're probably easier to ask me what positions haven't I held. So I've done a, a whole array of things. Started off, of course, in patrol, uh, done drug work, uh, done in, I've done investigations in homicide. I also was able, fortunate enough to go back and uh, be over uh, homicide and investigations as a major. And in intelligence, I've done uh, years of intelligence work as well. So, Wow. Well, you come with a lot of experience. Definitely not surprising. What was the most fun, and don't say chief, what was the (laughs) most fun or rewarding position that you've held? You know, I, I go back, all of them were, of course, were, were rewarding and all of them had their fun parts. The the probably the most beneficial and what I feel like put me on the map was my work with criminal intelligence. And that allowed me to network with not only within our agency, but outside of our agency with uh, with our federal partners. And and those have been relationships, believe it or not, that. Although I was a sergeant in criminal intelligence, those relationships exist today that I built because we went through I was uh, in intelligence when 9-11 hit. And, you know, that's what put intelligence within all agencies and uh, put intelligence in the forefront, because now all of a sudden it it became a whole lot more important after 9-11. 
And partnerships are extremely important to you, and we will dive head first into that topic here in a few minutes. As far as uh, your position now, when did you set your mark on chief? You know, when I was younger, I was like, ah, I want to be president of the United States, just like most of us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but then on, you know, as life progressed, you know, it wasn't something I wanted to do anymore. When did you first set your mark on chief? That's that's very interesting because when I joined this department, my goal was to make captain before I retire. And wow. I didn't even at that point didn't feel like that was even that realistic. I thought that was a far stretch goal to have because I, I always said if I could just retire as a, as a captain. And um, the the interesting thing about it, and this is just for everyone out there, right? It's it's almost if you have faith in yourself and trust in yourself, every position that I was uh, promotion that I had, I realized at that point, well, I could do the next level. So every point that I would get, I made sergeant. I felt like I could be captain. We didn't have lieutenants then. I made captain. I felt like I could be major. I made major. I felt like I could be deputy chief. And at some point, you know, as a deputy chief, I I was eligible to retire. So I didn't know it was going to happen. I didn't know what my next chapter would be, whether it would be a chief somewhere else, uh, whether it would be working in the private industry. And it just worked out that the timing and, and everything was perfect for me to take over as the chief of police here in Charlotte. And it was just uh, a, a blessing for me to be able to accept that position. Love seeing the steps that you took to get to where you are now in your leadership role as chief of police. In addition to our professional experiences within the law enforcement agency, I think another thing that makes our reality less uniform, so to speak, is our individual life experiences. And I know very little bit about you, at least before you transitioned to your role here. But with any transition of leadership, people start talking yeah. and rumors get started. And I'll tell you whose fault this is if, if it becomes catastrophic, is that you <laughs> dabble in 80s pop. <laughs> That's a that's actually a good rumor, right? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, here's yeah. the deal: you've you've faced a lot of challenges in your short time as chief of police, less yes. than a year, right? So, how about another one? How about an '80s pop quiz? Oh, I I don't know about. Well, you can try it. I'm not. Right, I'm we'll not good it. at quizzes, but I, I will tell you that's <laughs> that's that's what takes me away from all the stress and anxiety we that go. you have in the job. So I just like listening to the music, not studying. There we it, go. So. Well, well, we'll start out slow. We'll all start right. out slow. And I mean, very slow. All right. George Michael, never going to dance again. Oh, yeah. man, he's <laughs> right. He was on the spot. He didn't even hear the first word on that. Man, all right. So I didn't realize that we would be the only two in the room when I played that. So full disclosure, okay, I'm going to yeah. speed it up a little yeah, bit on yeah, this next yeah. one, okay? <laughs> okay. It's good to be square. It's hip to be it's square. It's hip to be square. He's yeah. on it, though. Yeah, so you're, you're doing more of the... <laughs> The 40s, uh, you know, the, if you get into R&B stuff, I'm going to be a lot better. Oh, than this, so. yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So full disclosure, I wasn't yeah. around in the 80s. So oh, man. I had to Google this, Chief. Yeah, yeah. So that's, <laughs> All right. I've got now, two Now more. you're making me feel old. So. All right. I've got two more. And, and All you right. said that I think, I think I've landed at least one of these last two. All, All right. right. I think right. I've landed. We'll give it a shot. And the reason I picked this next one is because I know it'll get stuck in people's heads. All right. Yeah. And uh, by that, I, I mean that I like to control people's minds. I'm joking uh -oh. when I say that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> what year did this come out? Yeah, that's 
Oh, man, that's one of my all-time favorites. All right, all right. Yeah, you hit it with the Purple Rain. Sweet. That's that's the uh, the Purple One Prince. And um, Purple Rain came out 1985. So close. 84. Uh, 84. 84. Yeah. Okay. It was popular for so long. I mean, it's right. kind of oh, hard. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, you play it now and yeah, you know, yeah. Even the, everybody my age know the song. Yeah. So, all right. So this last one, and there's a reason that I picked this song. Okay. It's, there's more of a deeper meaning here, but um, yeah. I'm going to play a short part of it. What are the first words to this song? I'm sorry, that's the same yeah, one as the other we, one. Here, we can let's... listen to that all day now. <laughs> What's the matter with the clothes I'm wearing? There's absolutely nothing wrong with the clothes you're wearing. <laughs> hey, let's keep this going, man. I like it. I like the music part of it. So, you know, that's kind of the whole premise of this podcast. Yeah. You know, people look at the uniform, especially your uniform. They see the stars on the lapel, and they yes. automatically have these speculations about the person in the uniform. What we like to do on this podcast is get behind that and show some of the diversity yeah. and character. So let's break a stereotype here. I'm sure that there's been some funny rumors that have made it your way about yourself maybe you even started <laughs> oh yeah who knows <laughs> have you heard anything that you're like i like that rumor or that's the funniest rumor i've ever heard wow that's a that's one that i'll have to think about just for a second so i i think a lot of mine go back to my days of playing football in college and mm. you know some of the things that i hear some of it's not rumor but just to hear what people say about my college football career right so I've always said it, and I said it earlier today, as a matter of fact, I think the older I get, the better I was. So when you start hearing how great I was on the football field, you know, sometimes I never looked at it that way. When I was <laughs> when I was playing, I always thought that I, uh, I had a lot more room that I needed to be better and I needed to try to be better. So as you reflect on that and go back, you realize that, what you were able to accomplish, what I was able to accomplish was pretty good, even though I never thought of it that way. So when people say that, uh, I've always kind of, you know, taken it as just blown it off. Like, you know, they're just saying that to be saying it. But, but when I truly reflect on what I was able to accomplish in my college career, I, I, I'm very proud of that. So as you should be, I've heard yeah. the rumors, so yeah. <laughs> you should be proud of that. Yeah. So I'll tell you a rumor that I heard as you were transitioning into your role as chief, something that I heard that made my respect for you, even though I didn't know you go out the roof, because I think it's a next to faith for me, it's the most important thing in your life. And that's family and how much yes. of a family man you are. Tell me just briefly, tell me about your family. I know we could go on all day for it. Oh yeah, we could, we could go on all day. I, you know, I, I'm truly blessed, um, a beautiful wife uh, who I met in college. Uh, met, uh, she came up for to watch a football game at Appalachian because her roommate, where she was going to college, was dating a room uh, a football player at Appalachian. So they came for a game and uh, must have played pretty good. I always joke around. I must have played pretty good because uh, we started talking on the phone and then that led to dating and then eventually <laughs> getting married. But uh, so she's been by my side through all of this. And mm -hmm. it, this is, you know, it's a tough career uh, and it gets even tougher as you move up the chain and, 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 and particularly at this position where she's been great as well. My kids also... Uh, three boys, two of them are twins. My oldest is 
Jonathan, he's um, 24 years or 23 years old, living in Daytona Beach. He just graduated from Appalachian State this oh, past nice. May. Yeah, so now he has his own job and uh, doing his own thing down in Daytona Beach. And my twins, uh, twin boys, Jaden and Jared. Jaden's at University of North Carolina at Charlotte, and Jared's at Central Piedmont Community College, and he'll be transferring over to University of North Carolina at Charlotte next semester, hopefully, if everything goes Very well. Nice. And so they're, um, all they've known is dad being on call and having to leave and yeah, get up from the, so they don't know anything other than that. Now, it was tougher on me, I think, than them because it just got to the point where if we're sitting down eating dinner, my phone would go off when they were little and they would say, well, dad's got to go, you know, and that, you know, even though they say, make little comments like that, that kind of hurts a little bit Mm -hmm. as the dad, because you, you want to make sure you're always there for your kids. And, but you also have to sacrifice to support them. And, uh, and, and you're doing what you love to do as a police officer. And so that means a lot. So of course, as much as you smiled while we were playing that little eighties pop quiz thing, The amount you're smiling now, I can tell that family means the world to you. And going back to your career, you had nearly 30 years before you picked up the four stars, before you picked up chief of police. You could have easily said, no, I'm going to spend time with my family, which I know you still want to do. You know, you could have easily probably had plenty of offers on the table, but you decided to pick up more responsibility and more time for some reason. And, yeah. you know, I dive into that. What is your why? Why did you decide to put that aside and say, you know what, I'm going to lead this organization? You know, uh, I did have other opportunities and, and I could have, you know, it wasn't a money thing. I could have gone somewhere and picked up my retirement plus money uh, from another job. I love this department. I mean, I I really believe that we are one of the best police departments in the country. I've been to other departments. I know a lot of other police chiefs across the country. And there's no doubt in my mind that that this is the place that I want to be. And uh, we've had, we had a very, very challenging year. And I want to be really clear that I felt like there was work still to be done, that I felt like I was going to be able to and be in a position to take us through this and also bring us to the next level. I mean, we have a great department now, but I still think we are, we, we've always said we're a learning agency. We're going to continue to get better and uh, we're doing that. So I, I wanted to, uh, nothing would have fulfilled me any more than uh, staying here and taking this role over. And there's also selfishly a, a lot to be said about, uh, finishing at the top level from the same agency you started with. So that that means a lot to me as well. Of course, I bet. And now it's no secret, and you touched on it, that the profession that we're in currently, at least in my career, and I'm sure even beyond that, we're facing some of the most challenging times that we've had as a profession. And you've got a tremendous level of responsibility during this time because everyone's looking at you. You've got our employees You've got the community, you've got elected officials, you've got our partners, you name it, we're watching. And I personally do not envy that balancing act (laughs) that you've got to react to input from the community without losing your employees, without using the rank and file. What is that dynamic like? How do you manage that juggling act? Oh, it's the most difficult part of the job. You know, as a chief, you have to make decisions that are best for the agency, And sometimes what those decisions turn out to be may not appear to be 
best to the agency or particularly to the individual. And as the chief, you have to relay the message that uh, this is whatever we're doing is going to make us better. I'll, I'll never make a decision based on emotions or based on public outcry or anything like that. I want to make decisions that are going to bring this department and, and continue to build the community trust so that it makes the officer who's going to encounter our citizens makes that a better uh, encounter. Uh, so a lot of times people don't understand that and they can't quite get it. But hopefully as we move along and move forward as an agency, people will start to see and, and eventually they'll start to say, I get it now. I understand why we're doing some of the things that we're doing. Of course, I, I hear you completely on that. Going the right direction is never easy. Otherwise, every, everybody would do it. Absolutely. So, you know, when you stepped into your new role, you immediately began receiving input from the community through surveys and through community forums. I've personally seen you at community events, and you've also worked with elected officials and a lot of our other partners and taken a very active role in responding to their input. A lot of this goes towards a portion of your core four strategic priorities of professional accountability and community collaboration. Yes. Um, Another one of your core four strategic priorities is crime management. And when I first heard it, I was like, hmm, that's an interesting way to word that, specifically the word management. Why did you pick management? You know, my whole career, it's always been crime fighting. Uh, And and to me, uh, crime fighting basically means that the focus is going to be out to make those arrests and no tolerance. And, uh, and you know, it kind of puts us in a uh, role, I don't want to say barbaric, but when you start looking at uh, it's us against them, you know, crime fighting. When, when I talk about, and, and from day one, I said, that's just not what I'm looking for. It had to feel right to me. Uh, I knew it was going to be crime something because we have to address it. Of course. And I said, well, what am I trying to do here? And, and, and I had a conversation. I said, well, you know what? We've been fighting crime uh, for years and we're st- we still have moments where we're spinning our wheels. It's time to manage crime. Right. So if you're managing crime, that means you're looking at alternative other ways that you can say that it's not always going to be a, a fight or an arrest of, of, of an individual. It's going to be what can we do to pull somebody out of that cycle and make them a productive citizen rather than taking that person to jail for what that what offense that person has done. If there are minor offenses and you have alternatives, then you can help manage that individual and manage the crime that that individual is engaged in by turning that person around to be more productive, whether it's training for jobs and helping them get employment, whether it's housing, any benefits, whether it's mental health assistance, uh, things like that. That is all inclusive of managing the crime and not just fighting the crime. And I'll plug here, our department, we have and we're continuing to pursue other opportunities for programs and stuff to assist in this. And uh, if you have any questions about those programs, please reach out directly to, if you see an officer on the side of the road, grab them, ask them about it, go to your division office, figure out some way to figure out what those programs are, because uh, that is the best way, in my opinion, and obviously yours to address uh, some of the crime that we've got. 
We've made a lot of progress in just the past few months. And the last thing I want everyone to hear, though, from our conversation is that we're having to fix everything. Where do you think we come up strong as an organization that it may be hard at times for the community to see? Oh, wow. We, we've had, you know, there have been great police chiefs within this organization. And I, I go back and really some of the things that I've learned were from your uh, Daryl Stevens and Rodney Monroe's and Kerr Putney's. And each of them had their own separate style, just as I do. Uh, but the one thing that's been consistent through each of those police chiefs is our ability to build those relationships. And we've we have been phenomenal across the board, I think, in building relationships with different entities uh, throughout our community and our citizens. And sometimes that gets overlooked when things go bad. But I, I think that the if you really look at it as a whole and in general, you'll understand that the work that CMPD does and has been doing, you mentioned some of the programs that we have. Well, nobody comes in and makes us do those programs, right? Nobody says you have to develop programs for on the mental health end or you have to develop programs for youth or uh, diversion programs, things like that. Those are things that our department has looked at over the years and said, we need this. How do we do it? So we go and find grants and we go and find partnerships to help us achieve those goals. And again, to me, that's what makes us one of the finest agencies in the country. Oh, I agree entirely. And of course, I'm somewhat biased, but I still agree with yes. it. Uh, this kind of takes us into the next topic, which I feel selfishly somewhat is the most important. Uh, you know, something the community doesn't have much of an opportunity to see is our day-to-day -day functions and how they impact our employees. We've had a few officers and sergeants on the show to provide some of this perspective, and we'll continue doing that. But large organizations like ours have the same dynamic with their employees. It's hard for those of us at the lower level sometimes to see the day-to-day -day functions of leadership. So I'd like to talk about the other side of that balancing act that we mentioned earlier, which is our employees. I'm one of those at the lower levels, and by lower, I mean lowest, but that's not the point here. No. And I've seen you do two things that I really feel bridge this gap between leadership and the line. And the first is the amount of effort you put into communicating to us. Yes. Why is that so important to you? Oh, it's very important. And you, you, before you even get into that, you hit on something that I try to avoid is saying uh, it needs to go from the top all the way down or the lowest level. We can't accomplish anything from any level unless we have help from those around us. Uh, so the officers, to me, not just sworn, even the non-sworn employees that are at the, you know, entry level from on up, it doesn't matter. Those are the people who are getting the work done. I can try to make sure that, that we have our mission and our uh, core four and all of that. If I don't get the buy-in from the officer, from even the administrative assistant on up, even to the deputy chiefs and all of that. If I don't get that buy-in, then, then I am not going to be successful in what I'm trying to accomplish. And I also want to make sure that, that, that everybody has some input, right? So whether it's you as an officer or a deputy chief or an, an office assistant, that if there are ideas 
that are going to make us better as a police department. I need to hear those. I need to communicate with that. So the biggest thing for me is, and and that's the biggest thing is because if I'm not communicating uh, and letting people know where I'm coming from, uh, then I'm not going to get that buy-in. So it's important to me to make sure that everyone hears it from me uh, and that that uh, we can move on as the police department and continue to get better. Obviously, it's intentional on your part because the second I mentioned that internal communication, you're no, but also, oh, wait, there's this second one. Yes. It's the communicating upward part. I love that. To that point, your leadership style, it's very, that, uh, very much so a collaborative leadership philosophy. Where did you learn that? Well, you know, one, my parents instilled a lot of that in me as well. Uh, I also, my years of playing organized sports, um, uh, years ago, I, re- I can remember playing uh, uh, as a um, young freshman in high school, uh, playing football. And the seniors seemed like they were cocky or too good for you or anything. And a, a friend, one of my best friends back then, I remember us sitting down and we said, you know what? Uh, we're never going to be like that. Let's not be like, no matter how good we get, let's not be like that. And we lived by that. And so even growing through as the captain of a uh, high school football team and captain at Appalachian State, I always made sure I made time for that walk on who probably was the most insignificant player on the team just as much as I did anyone else. Uh, and not live by that I'm better than anyone else. So to be able to play organized sports, you realize that it's a team effort, right? So when I look at this job and being the police chief or being a leader at all, it's a team effort. So it's important to have that input because I can sit and think of things that I want to do, but there could be unintended consequences that go along with that, that I need to hear about. I'm going to be, and I have been pretty intentional. This is a team effort here, you know, so decision ultimately is mine, but the process to get to that decision is going to be a team effort. Well, it's a joy being part of that team. While we're on the topic of leadership, you know, we all have moments in our life that we're going through that may be hard. And in the moment, it doesn't look like there's any reason for them, but they end up being defining moments in our life. Some of us can point to them. Others are like, well, my whole life has been like that. Is there anything in your life that's been a defining moment to prepare you for where you're at now as a leader? I, I think there are a couple. I'll go back to my years of, of again, I, I, I don't want to keep referencing football, but it was so important in my life of course. And, and as far as to where I went through. But I, I can remember those years that I worked extra hard uh, where I was fighting for a starting job or I wanted to I wanted to accomplish something, make all conference or all state or whatever it might have been and how hard I worked. And what I would get out of that was just a mate like what I, I could always look back and say, I really worked hard, but look what it did. It paid off. I made all conference or I start I was a starter this year. And in those years where I didn't work quite as hard, I had those mediocre type seasons or whatever. Right. So I think what that did was to say and I tell my kids this all the time, you're going to get out of something what you put into it. So if you work hard and if you work your tail off, I don't care if it's in school, if it's in athletics, 
if you just want to um, join a fraternity or whatever you want to do, put that effort into it and you will get back out of it what you put into it. So um, so that's kind of was a defining moment for me that I realized in high school. I realized in college and I realized in a career here with CMPD that when I've worked the hardest is when I've benefited the most. Do you have a mentor that has helped you along the way that you've dipped into for maybe advice? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I've had several uh, mentors. I, here's here's my philosophy. I don't have I'm, I can't I'm not going to name just a single person. I, I, I'm likely to leave somebody out. But there have been several and I have always from day one since I was even younger is I look at leaders and uh, I take what I like about certain leaders and make sure that I try to mirror that. And I've taken what I don't like about leaders and make sure I stay away from that. So uh, even the bad leaders, you're going to learn a great deal from because you're learning what not to do uh, just as much as you're learning what to do from from other uh, leadership that you you come across. And, 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 you know, again, that's just in all aspects of life, not just in, in your job or uh, as, as a police officer or whatever. You take little bits of people that you want to emulate and be like, and, and you try to enhance that and be better. I've got this leadership podcast that I listened to, and there was a quote on there by Archimedes, who would be the equivalent of a modern-day nerd, because I could say that (laughs) because I identify as a nerd myself. Anyway, he has this quote, and I've liked it from the start. It's, give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum to place it upon, and I shall move the world. Now, to all the mathematicians out there, I apologize. I know he was talking about an actual lever and fulcrum, but I'm a sucker for analogies here, so... Many may feel that the only lever they can use to affect the world is that of a title or a position like chief or mayor or president or maybe even lo- overlord. I don't know. But even though that's not the case, it may feel like that yeah. sometimes. You've experienced every rank in this department. What have you seen to be the most effective way to lead at the lower levels? Just continue to be who you are. And and one of the biggest compliments I've I've ever gotten has been regardless of what rank I've made, I've never changed. I've been that same person. Like I said, there's going to be times where you make tough decisions that people are not going to understand. But if you are consistent with who you are, then and, and remember what got you to where you are, you're going to be successful uh, because that's what made you successful to this point. And, you know, some of the best advice I've gotten, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to quote uh, a couple of people uh, one uh, was former Deputy Chief Harold Medlock, and I remember sitting down with him, and, and he said, you know, I just never wanted my rank to define who I am. And I thought that was perfect. You know, you're not defined by what's on your collar. And, you know, even at one point, I remember Chief Monroe that uh, had mentioned to me uh, that, you know, hey, just because you're not a major or a deputy chief doesn't define who you are either. You know, so it doesn't diminish your importance to this department. Uh, and lastly, uh, I will uh, something that uh, Chief Putney uh, said to me that has really stuck as well, that, you know, Chief Putney and I had different personalities and he could be uh, very stern at times. And I and I made a comment about, man, I just I guess I need to learn to do more of that. And, you know, he said, no, you lead you lead based on your personality, not based on mine. If you try to be somebody you're not, 
then it's going to come across as ingenuine. And, and that really, you know, hearing something like that really kind of relaxed me. I said, I thought I don't have to be somebody else. I don't have to be who that top leader is to be in that position. You know, just because, uh, I'm different personality wise, doesn't mean that I'm not capable of, uh, of being in that leadership role. And, and so those are some of the things that have always kind of stuck with me over the years that I said, you know what, this is, this is what it's going to take. It just takes me being myself, uh, to be that leader. To bring it all together. If our employees continue to lead where they're leading, if our community continues to collaborate with us and works with us on our professional accountability and managing crime, where do you see us in a year from now? Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I, I can see us exceeding that status that you have as a law enforcement profession than even before all of this even started back earlier this year. There were a lot of people back, even when the, the it was very loud against us, there were a lot of people behind the scenes that supported us wholeheartedly and that they just it just wasn't the right setting for them to come out and vocally uh, support the police and the profession. So I think we need to show people that we're listening and 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 that we're we're setting the example that not only are we listening, we're following through with some of the things that we said we're we wanted to do and we're going to do. So uh, there's always going to be a segment of the population that no matter what you do, they're not going to like us. Uh, however, there are going to be some that are going to start turning their heads and saying, you know what, everything we're asking or most of the things we're asking, we can see the effort coming forth. And if we can win that part of the population over, then I, I want to see it to where police officers are heroes again and, and not villains in the minds of some. So I think we're going to get there. It's going to take some time, but I think we just have to make sure as individuals and as an agency, we're doing the right thing. Well, I'm personally excited to be considered part of this engine that pushes our organization into the future. Chief, thank you for investing your time into not only this podcast, but also for deciding to continue investing your time into our organization and the community. You're paying it forward. Our organization is paying it forward. And to each person listening, thank you for paying it forward by investing your time because we're just getting started here on the Uniformed Reality Podcast. Mm-hmm.